No, it's the Creator Spaces show. Do you consider yourself a creator? Yes. What do you create? I create poetry. I help other people create. So I guess I create the creation of people's businesses. And I also write essays. So I was very excited the other day, Michael, because I actually earned three cents on Medium, which was hilarious nice. because I didn't expect that. <laughs> but I think anytime you actually make something or do something or bring something from the realm of ideas into the world of the art tangible world, that makes you a creator. So I think in a way everybody is because everyone's life is their performance art. So everyone's a creator in my book. I like that kind of answer. You've got a pretty varied group of creations. Would you mind walking me through how they came together? Sure. I guess I'll start with poetry. I've always been a huge reader my whole life. Um, not a writer, though. I, I have kept journals, but I think was always afraid to really speak 100% my truth in my journals because then they could they were discoverable. That's uh, something that I'm actually trying to get over now. So I've always had a very strong urge to create, but my creativity, I found, was less imagining things and imagining world and I have a very applied creativity so I'm a really good problem solver and associative thinker and just coming up with creative solutions but I like things to be framed in the constraints of real life. I started trying to write creatively with a capital C fairly recently about a year ago and it's really hard <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> the gap between what I want to be able to accomplish and what I can is huge and it's really hard to keep a beginner's mind and keep going so so that's poetry. Business-wise, I was a money manager. I ran my own firm for 25 years. And before that, another money management startup for five. So I was a kind of money management entrepreneur for 30. And I took some time off after, but now I'm helping mostly women who are either launching their businesses or have a small business that they're wrestling with, um, some aspect, or also just people worrying about wanting to think through things like finance and future and careers and that sort of thing. So it's a kind of the creativity is a holding space kind of creativity. Creativity. It's a little different. It's not my own, but it's midwifing other people's creativity. Talk, talk to me about the sort of the change in approach between your own direct creative work and then this, what is often thought of as less creative work, working on people's businesses. Mm, think yeah. It's not in your case. Yeah. So it requires a big mind shift because I have this kind of weird gift, which is that I love talking about business. I've been analyzed thousands of companies. and But what I really love is that businesses are really, I think, alive and dynamic, complex systems. And I have this sort of knack when talking to somebody about what they want to do with their business or what they want to create. I can see it's almost like the business shows me what it can be and why the person is person that it's selected to become real. And I say that in the way that writers will talk about ideas, lots of things existing in the realm of ideas and potential, and you get tapped on the shoulder. And if you don't follow through, that idea will go and find somebody else because it wants to be made right. real. And I feel businesses are the same thing. Doing it for other people, especially if you're a little type A codependent, you want to go in there and do it for people. And that's a mistake, right? Because that's not very empowering. And it's their business and their vision. So the creativity is in sometimes being very direct. Sometimes it's in holding the mirror and tilting it at various angles so that they can see the wider things. So 
the art becomes almost capturing the negative space so that they can see the contrast between what is and what is possible and giving a lot of support around that too. Could you dig in a little bit around that? Yeah, I think we can all have a lot of programming about how things should be. So I'll give an example in the institutional money management business. So there's a standard way that people think you ought to look, you ought to dress, you ought to talk. And back in 1995, a lot of women or a lot of people of color in the business, I was willing to be very different. And I think that actually we have this fear of being different and we feel that we can only be successful by looking and being and acting like everybody else. And I think sometimes showing the mirror to someone about, all right, you're really clear about the kind of interior design you want to do. And maybe is everything that you're doing broadcasting that signal? is consistent with that vision and that desire. So it can be a lot of dissonance. And so part of just showing the dissonance, the mixed messages being put out there, which muddies the signal and then your people can't find you. Or if there's dissonance, like you think this is how you want to do, but really some part of you deeply disagrees and is resisting it and is sabotaging it. And maybe you should be listening to that part or bring it on board. So those are the kinds of things that by working the mirrors and my gift is I can see what can be. I can see that and sometimes it's much bigger than the person is thinking. And sometimes I can also see what's just not jibing. And so there's something, when it's not jibing, there's something off. Either you don't really want to do it or you haven't really honed in on what it is. And so that's the kind of thing I would call tilting the mirror at various angles so we can see the whole picture. Curious, especially with sort of the two disparate audiences, how do you go about building up an audience for yourself now? Or is that a goal, I think, should be the first question. There's a lot of people I think I can help. There's a lot of things I wish my 30-year-old self. And had I known that, it would have allowed me to be more effective. And I've been very successful. But to be able to enjoy that success and not have that hungry ghost of somehow it's not good enough, right? So there's a lot about the world that I didn't really appreciate that. I learned over 30 years that I can help, especially young women, because I meet a lot of amazing young women. And I'll hear stories where, kind of like me, they thought it was their social anxiety or their whatever. And meanwhile, something happened in a public company meeting and they got aggressed, but they're blaming themselves because they don't, Mm. they didn't read the power play. So they thought, oh, it's them being shy or socially anxious. And really somebody just fucked with them. And there are ways to handle that. Or if you have have a, a system that's going to either shut down, like to recognize that, to be able to work with your body, to be able not to have that reaction, to be able to really A, see what's going on and be able to be so grounded in your own body that you can react to it in a grounded, centered way. So in order to do that, to help as many people as I can, because I have to let people know that I exist and what I do and, and put out the signal. So in that sense, I need to build an audience. And, and if I do that correctly, people will find me. Yeah. How are you going about that now? I'm still struggling with putting out the correct signal because I find sometimes that I read things about women and money or women in finance or women in business and and it can imply, oh, there are huge gender differences. And mind you, there's a lot of social conditioning. There is some wiring, but really we are not broken. Not women, not us as individual humans. We just forget that part of being human is having shitty aspects of ourselves or having shitty days or shitty feelings and that there 
there is nothing wrong with that. And being in this sort of perfectionistic pursuit, right, of like, oh, if I do that, then I'll be happy. If I do that, then I won't be broken. And nobody's broken, but we just don't believe that. So that kind of messaging, I call it the broken wing messaging, is preying on people's fears and anxieties is not okay. But I want to also be able to address like things that might be real struggles, but do it in a way that's just like you have a plumbing problem. It's not that you have a character flaw. Mm. So I haven't quite mastered that. But otherwise, what I've done is I joined Chip 30 for 30, which is how we met. And just in order to learn and put myself out there and learn how to write online writing and also just to create the habit, really. And then now I've started to experiment a little with Medium and we'll probably expand to Facebook and Instagram as well to just get the word out. But the way I want to get the word out is by sharing stories and making as much available in a way that can be useful to people right off the bat. And that's the part that I'm really struggling with right now is how to show up in a way that's most useful. And that's, I'm finding really hard to figure out how to do, no matter how hard I try. 250 words is a little bit of a challenge to do that, but concentrated nuggets. I guess I haven't figured out how to do a concentrated nugget and not have it be a platitude. I mean, I think it's all about context at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so as you cut away that context, it might be valuable, but you might not find it valuable out of context. And you have Mm -hmm. to trust in the algorithm that it's going Mm -hmm. to feed it to people at the right time for the Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you do some coaching. Do Mm -hmm. you monetize your creation in any other ways? Other than the three cents I earned on Medium, the world of poetry is not known for for paying (laughs) paying writers really well. And especially if you're a shitty poet, which I definitely am. So I was really happy, though. I got a a piece of a smaller ratio poem, and it got published by digital publication. It was my first submission, so I was very lucky that way. And yeah, that made me feel like, all right, I got to keep doing this. And subsequently, it's just been a lot of headbanging and tears. But part of that thing about trying to really express what is deeply true and doing it in a way where I think you're casting a bit of a spell on the reader so that by the end of the poem, it's the same way with the atomic essay, right? There's a takeaway, there's a gift for the reader, right? There's a transformation. And in order to do that, it has to be very watertight. The way any kind of writing needs to be, if there's too much rattling around, it it won't be as effective. But it's really hard to get that distilled expression of what you're trying to say. And sometimes you don't know what you're trying to say until you try to say it badly a thousand times. And then you realize what it's really about. But it's a process. I'm learning to enjoy the process. That is the wisdom of age, I think. So what's your North Star metric for success? How do you know you're on the right path? I think for me, it's a body feeling. It means that what I am doing is congruent. I'm not at war with myself in the thing that I'm creating. So that's successful. That would be a sort of qualitative definition that there is an integrity to the creation. In terms of metrics, obviously the trend is your friend, right? So just are you doing that? But I think also, and I'm going to come back to this because I think sometimes we can get caught up in actions, tasks. We focus on the fire truck of action to get us the desired result, but the result may not really solve the, the 
the problem, the discomfort that we're feeling. So I would say there's a sort of standard metrics to do that. But for me, like I created Daruma, but I, I didn't do it to make money per se. Obviously, I wanted to make a living, but it wasn't driven by that. I had a point to prove that you could have a sort of non-Wall Street culture, one that was based on collaboration, be successful, put up good numbers. So that would be the metric for that thing. So I think for everything, it has its own metric. What's your current goal as a creator? What I'd love to do is to spend more time doing the deep thinking and deep exploration. So call it the kind of pre-writing part of writing to spend more time with that because that's the part that I run away from. And then coming after that, if I do that and then I try to express it, then getting the expression, the exploration, you know, that the getting the storytelling part tight. But I feel like that I know I can do or I know how to get help to do that well or to, to progress. But that part of sitting down with yourself yeah. and really thinking is the part that uh, I'm not doing enough of. And that's a part I'm obviously running away from, which means I should be running toward it. We should all be firemen when it comes to our own discomfort, run towards the fire. So I want to double down on that. What part of this process makes you most uncomfortable right now? I wish I knew and that's what like doing Shift 30 has made me realize is that Dickie talks a lot about developing the habit and the sacred hour and, you know, that's how you build the habit and the consistency. I think it's more than that. I think it's really being willing to go to dark places. And I think some of that is you just need to give it a lot of time. It's not something that gets done in 20 minutes. You need to clear a lot of stuff to really get at what you're really thinking about, what really disturbs you about something. It's like when somebody, when you ask somebody a question and they say, oh, they're fine. And then you ask more specific specifically like you, doubling down. And then on the third answer, they give you the real answer. And I would give you the real answer if I knew it. The real answer is I haven't done it, which is why I need to do it. So ask me in a couple of months because there's no point doing this if it's just going to be shallow bullshit. So the growth is going to come. And if I wrestle with, okay, why didn't I not know all these things 30 years ago? What did I learn in the last 30 years? Why is it so hard to be truly okay with my you know, imperfect self? Why can't I love myself with the same level of imperfection, right? Those are all like the big kind of questions I'd like to tackle. And I think in trying to figure that out, that's where I think I can come up with things that maybe could be helpful to others. So those are the things that I would want to explore. I think those are the things I want to run away from. Why, I'm not quite sure, but I'll find out. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be? Uh It would be something along the lines of, you are intrinsically worthy. I think that's it. And I could add some other things, but essentially it's there's that sense that the real estate that you stand on the planet and that your tree is not having an existential dilemma about that there being a piece of shit of an oak. It just funnels life energy and does its oak thing. It's full expression of oakiness. And we all have that. And so I think that sense of the intrinsic worthiness is what I mean by that. And when I say we're not broken, that's also what I mean. Like that fractal within us that plugs into the life force that animates the universe is complete. It is not broken and it is worthy by definition. Our existence validates us. Ah, there you go. That's one. Our very existence validates us. So we've got you are intrinsically worthy. And our very existence validates us. Mm -hmm. I think you could fit both of those in a single tweet. Because we exist, we are intrinsically worthy of our existence. There you go. That's the sentence.
Is there any last note to leave our listeners with today? I think I would just reiterate that feeling shitty is 100% part of the human experience and that as is being imperfect and flawed and that you should talk to yourself as kindly as you would a very deeply beloved person in your life. That's what I aspire to. It's really hard. (laughs) It's really hard. But if you can do that, then I think all of you can show up in this existence and do all the beautiful things that you're meant to do. In addition to all the shitty things you're going to do, but it's not in spite of. It's almost because of that. 